Welcome to the Leadership Lowdown. This is the Michigan Business Network. I'm Vic Vershero, and I'm delighted to have a wonderful individual that's joining us today all the way from Chico, California, and, and way out there. She's three hours different, so she's having a cup of coffee, and I'm having my first uh, beer. No, that's not true. Um, actually, uh, welcome Ann Sherman. She's the Vice President of Business and Finance at California State University at Chico, or Chico State University. So, Ann, welcome to our humble show. Well, thank you, Vic. It's great to be here bright and early in the morning. <laughs> and it's just beautiful. Waking <laughs> up in California has got to be a cool thing to do. So uh, I've never had that uh, privilege to live out there, but I've visited your beautiful state for quite some time and, and a number of times and had a great time every time. Now tell me where Chico's at. It's, uh, it's not on the coast. No, it's not on the coast. It's in the North Central Valley. So I live in an area that's surrounded by fantastic nut groves. If you like oh, walnuts or pecans, mm. You would love to be coming to my neck of the woods. I am all over that, honestly. And and do you call them? Um, I, what are they? I think in the south they call them almonds, don't they? But you guys call them almonds out there, don't you? Oh, oh no, we're all almonds up here because almonds. you know you shake the L out of them. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Well, we could probably talk nuts for quite some time, but but uh, we actually actually have you on on board here for a number of reasons, and one of them is because you and I have a mutual friend in the form of Joe Blanchard, um, one of my great mentors and an absolute um, uh, wonderful individual that's taught me so much. But uh, I asked Joe, I said, Joe, you know, um, I need um, some really great uh, people that can contribute to the, our leadership show. Who would you recommend? Immediately, he said, Ann Sherman. And one of the things that I just love about this is Ann. I'm calling you out in California, but your roots go deep into Michigan. Tell me about that. They do indeed. I am a youper all the way through. <laughs> uh, it's it's really funny out here because I I have bumper stickers on my car. I wear youper shirts all the time, <laughs> and I had I had one person stop me and ask me what the sticker was before it got all ripped up. <laughs> <laughs> what is that thing? <laughs> I, I didn't understand what he was asking me at first, and I realized, oh, he thinks that the the outline of the UP obviously was something else to start with. <laughs> he didn't quite get so the key one off Peninsula, about, did he? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I have to explain a lot. What is a youper anyway? <laughs> oh, isn't that awesome? Well, and you know, um, Anna, I I can't thank you enough for uh, for your preparation you've done for this show. I have a number of people um, that we that we have as our guest on the show, and. And I, I can honestly say I've never seen anyone do a, as good of a thorough job of preparing for the show as you did. But at the end of some of the materials and information you sent to me, um, you mentioned Ingadine High School. And, of course, <laughs> yeah, help me with what you put at the end of that. It said Inga Ringa Dinga Dine. Is that, the, is that what you guys say? Well, we don't say that, but there used to be a uh, weather reporter down in Detroit called Sonny Elliott. Oh, I love Sonny, yeah. Yeah, so he used to tweak Ingadine on a regular basis, and that's what he would phrase it as, Inga Ringa Dingadine. (laughs) So, you know, being from the UP, we didn't know who Sonny Elliott was or why people kept saying that when they'd come to Ingadine, but... We learned soon enough. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Yeah. Well, you know, there's something to be said about the Upper Peninsula. That that in itself is a uh, interesting place to to be raised. And you were, uh, if I understand your notes right, um, you were uh, from Keweenaw all the way down to Mackinac County. So um, you were kind of on on both ends of the of the Upper Peninsula, right? 
Yes, indeed. My parents bought a house in Lorium up in the Keweenaw Peninsula when I was five years old, and they still own that house to this day. I won't Whoa. tell you how many years that's been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's fair. But, uh, my, my dad was a, a math professor, a math teacher, and so he ended up getting a job in Ingenine at the high school. And uh, so when I was in about third grade or so, we moved to Ingenine. Uh, my grandparents were from Wakefield at the far western end of the UP. Mm, my wow. other grandparents lived in Paradise um, wow. up by Whitefish Bay. And so I've got the whole place oh, covered. Oh, you've got, you've got uh, <laughs> UP roots. You didn't pass through. that. It's a part of you, isn't it? Yes, for sure. Yeah. Well, you've gone yeah. you've gone uh, quite quite the distance from uh, humble roots uh, up there in in Ingadine all the way to some of the work that you're doing out in California. I'm just really glad that that uh, you um, um, have uh, been willing to share your 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 travels and journeys with us. Tell me about um, when when you graduated from high school. What was the very next thing that happened? I actually went to Michigan Tech, so I went up to Houghton in the Keweenaw, and I was going to be a computer science major uh, because I knew that uh, I wanted to own a penthouse. (laughs) (laughs) That's all, right? (laughs) That that was pretty much it. You know, again, being a Uper, that was just kind of like the penultimate thing, and so I didn't exactly realize it was basically an apartment that you buy. And um, But it sounded really good, and when I said I wanted to be a computer science major, everybody said, ooh, that's a really good profession. Yeah, awesome. so it reaffirmed, but, I'm doing the right thing, right? <laughs> exactly, but after my first semester or two of computer classes, I realized if I didn't actually get to talk to people for my job, I probably was not going to be very happy. Oh, <laughs> uh, how about that? Yeah, you found out that, that being in a room heads down was not for you, right? So I, I just love it. in the long run. I, I, think about it, I think about the penthouse, you know, I, it, if you're from the Upper Peninsula, there's not that many tall buildings to go to the top of the building to have the penthouse. So it, it sounded like an exotic exactly. dream, right? <laughs> Back in it the day, did. it was very dramatic. <laughs> well, we're going to have an opportunity to unpack uh, your journey. It's going to be a lot of fun, and we're so glad you joined us here on the Michigan Business Network. I'm glad you tuned in to the Leadership Lowdown. This is Vic Versero, and we'll be right back. Even if you just get an hour, imagine a stress-relieving treatment, hand and arm massage, and a free makeup touch-up. Does this happen every time you have your hair done? It does at Douglas J Salon. Get the entire experience exclusively using Avita products. Guests have experienced the Douglas J difference for 45 years. Douglas J with two locations, inside the Marriott Hotel and in Okemos. Make your reservation at either professional salon by calling 877-334-8657 or visit douglasj.com today. Thanks for tuning in to the Michigan Business Network. This is the Leadership Lowdown, and I'm Vic Vershero. Today we have all the way from California, we have Ann Sherman. She's the Vice President of uh, Business and Finance, California State University at Chico. And, and Ann, I just love uh, some of the st- stories you're telling us about your uh, your humble beginnings. And, and you started out with computer science and realized that, holy cow, there's uh, four walls and no people. So you got out of that business quick. <laughs> and where did you, what, what happened next? What, un, what unpacked for you as, you as you started your journey in the world? Well, I ended up switching at, you know, Michigan Tech's a fantastic engineering school, but yeah. when it comes to a broad range of programs, not so many to choose from, 
I ended up switching into biology, hmm. uh, which I love. My favorite class was limnology, which is the study of lakes, and um, had a great time there. My my husband at the time was a year ahead of me in school, so huh. we ended up leaving before I graduated, uh, became the uh, sort of prototype of the MRS degree from Michigan Tech, uh, to my chagrin. Uh, and my parents were definitely afraid that I wasn't ever going to finish college. But <laughs> after a year of working or so, I saw an ad in the Detroit paper for the CIA. Oh. And I thought, oh, <laughs> I want to be a spy. Oh, my That was gosh. my real goal. Are you kidding me? <laughs> so it's like, I, I feel like it's that old thing, squirrel! And all of a sudden, off you go to another direction, right? <laughs> This that is was crazy. Kind of the way it was. Well, did you did you act on that emotion or not? I can't tell you. Oh, <laughs> I'd have to shoot you. <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> I ended up going to the University of Michigan at Dearborn. Yeah. Uh, and I got my psychology degree. Uh, the uh, ad for the CIA was looking for psychologists and business majors and things like that, really to look at some white collar crime yeah. uh, kinds of things. And uh, so I got my undergraduate degree in psychology and. Along the way, I started doing some research work with a social psychologist, and uh, he looked at me one day and he said, what? You're not working for the man. You're going to graduate school. And uh, I, sure enough, ended up going to uh, the Ph.D. program in industrial organizational psychology at Wayne State University. And uh, I.O. psychologists are only about 6% of psychologists, but they do amazing things. Because we look at making the world of work better, uh, both for the employees and for the shareholders. And uh, our our mission really is to improve the efficiency and the effectiveness of organizations of all sorts. And uh, I, re- I remember the time I was telling my parents, trying to explain, what what is this you're doing? <laughs> and to this day, I think my dad thinks that I'm like the psychologist that put Santa away in Miracle on 34th Street. <laughs> And my mom told me it probably wasn't a good job because once I solved all the organizational problems, I'd put myself out of work. Uh. <laughs> I told her she had way too much confidence in my ability. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's like that's like that's what proud parents do, right? Oh, you can do it, honey. <laughs> that's amazing. Well, so you've had you've had just a, a really an interesting thing as you kind of. Um, uh, calculate your way through the world, and I just love the fact that you've had so many options and so many visions of what could be. And and what's interesting to me is all of them coming out of the Upper Peninsula. You know, um, uh, it's a uh, uh, when I look at uh, the demographics on Michigan, Michigan's at about 10 million people, and there's roughly 300,000 people in the entire yeah. Upper Peninsula, and that's pretty sparsely <laughs> populated when you think about um, those kind of routes. But you've done some amazing things along the way, and so today, tell us a little bit about what you do and how you're applying some of the the things you've learned in life uh, to what you're currently teaching and doing. Yeah, so my my role now is one where I say it's a good thing I kind of have some ADHD because (laughs) I am never bored and there's always something new popping up. Uh, My scope of work covers everything from uh, the finance side of, uh, you know, the accounting to budgeting, uh, human resources, I've got all of the capital planning and facilities um, projects under me, um, you know, risk, audit, um, employee health and safety, um, the uh, 
like uh, police department reports into me. It's just a really interesting range of stuff. So mm. everything that goes into the back office of supporting a campus and making sure that all of our persons and properties remain safe and secure. Um, and, and that's just really rewarding work because um, the values that I bring sort of from growing up, there is a really strong Finnish tradition in the UP and, and in Finland itself um, with regard to education and uh, knowing that I'm part of a mission to help ensure people's education and hence their own personal and, and family sort of uh, economic development and economic advancement is really a powerful mission to keep me focused on my work. Well, I just love that. And I honestly, uh, you, you know, because we've been emailing back and forth, but bottom of my email, it says anyone can make a living. I want to make a difference. And I just love what you yeah. just did there is, <laughs> is uh, you unpack the fact that, uh, you know, uh, jumping out of bed in the morning, um, is a lot easier when you have uh, it's connected to something with purpose and you're driven with a cause. I, I, I think that's Absolutely. just powerful. You know, I, I think about I think about some of the things that um, uh, maybe we can get into in our next segment here um, is an opportunity to talk a little bit about some of the things that you've learned along the way and some of the ways, um, I don't know, maybe we call them mottos to live by, but things that you have in your background that you've given some thought to and, and uh, things you stand for and things you won't stand for. So I look forward to unpacking packing that here in our next segment and we're so glad that you tuned in to the michigan business network here on the leadership lowdown this is vic versero and we'll be right back after these messages Physicians Health Plan is local. For 35 years, we've been a part of your community, and we take pride in helping you get the coverage, care, and personal service you deserve. Go to phpmichigan.com for more information. We're the health plan that works for you. Welcome back to Leadership Lowdown. You've tuned in to the Michigan Business Network. I'm Vic Versero, and with me today is Ann Sherman. She's calling in all the way from California. She's the Vice President of Business and Finance at California State University at Chico. And Ann, I'm just so having so much fun talking to, with you, and it's such an honor to meet you uh, over the phone and have a visit. You are living up to all that was billed by Joe Blanchard when he started bragging you up. So uh, we'll have to give him a big fat thank you for that one. But Ann, as we talked about this, I mentioned that I don't think I've really had um, any other guest that has been as well prepared for this discussion as you have been. And part of it is because of the life you've been living in terms of preparing for for conversations like this all your life. But there were some things that you did I thought were really cool. And I think you, um, if I didn't misunderstand this, I think you, you had some conversation with some of your staff and people around you about uh, different things and leadership uh, elements. You want to describe a little bit of that to us? Yeah, it was kind of funny because I I was thinking about, well, what kinds of, you know, sort of mantras do I live by? What is my leadership uh, kind of um, uh, offering? And uh, so I, I asked my staff, I said, well, you know, if you were to describe my, my style, like what are, what are some recurring themes you hear from me? And they were pretty hilarious to see what came back, and I thought, oh my. I must say these more than I realized. <laughs> so did, did some of them surprise you? 
No, because I do know that I say that. I just didn't realize it was quite as <laughs> it, it had sunk in so well. Well, come, oh, we got to play here. Let's have some fun with those. What are what are some of the ones that, that you go, yep, I guess that's me. Can you think of any of those? Oh, yeah. Well, one that I know that I say on a regular all, all the time is just no non-value-added work. So, oh. you know, I always tell my team, you've got too much to do and not enough time to do it. If it's not adding value, don't do it. Mm. So, you know, I, um, I look at, uh, at unnecessary meetings, you know, do you really need to be in the room? Um, I ask before I go into a meeting, what is my role here? What is my contribution going to be? Yeah. Uh, and if there is none, I'm not going. And I tell my team, I, you know, I expect the same of you. You've got a lot of important work to do, and I want you really focused on where you yourself are adding value. I went to a a great conference session at my professional conference a few years ago, and it talked about illegitimate tasks. And I was just fascinated by that. Uh, What are illegitimate tasks? (laughs) And it it was described as either work that's completely unnecessary, like my non-value-added work mantra, um, or work that should be done by somebody else. Are you delegating appropriately, or are you not you know, providing enough guidance, whereas really it, the person that's doing the work is just sort of trying to find their way through it very inefficiently, where, again, it, it's just not work that that person should be doing. Well, Ian, and, you know, uh, I, I think what you're, what you're suggesting is asking the question, pulling a, calling a timeout and saying, look, is this really, is this really the right thing? And I, I so many yeah. times I've been in business long enough to have waded through um, long schedules and long hours um, all to come away going, well, what's getting done here, right? And, and that, <laughs> right. that's really frustrating. So, so permit me an, a, an, old, uh, an old story, but you might even have heard it along the way, is it's a story about, um, uh, the mother who was who was working in the kitchen, and she cut off both ends of the ham. Oh. And remember this story? She cut off both I ends. Do. Of, yeah, she cut off both ends of the ham, and the and the daughter said, "Mom, why did you do that?" She goes, "Well, I, you know, it's what your what your grandmother always did when I was being raised. So I, it's just what we do." And so when when Grandma gets here, let's talk to her about it. So sure enough, Grandma shows up at the dinner, and and uh, they sit down. I said, "Hey, by the way, Grandma, how come we cut off both ends of the ham?" what's that all about you always did it when i was growing up as a kid and grandma looks right at her says well it's because my pan was too small i had a little small (laughs) pan that's what i (laughs) and so you know this is the kind of stuff we got us do in business we got to start asking the relevant questions and i just love i just love what you uh what you suggested there uh what are the illegitimate tasks that are not necessary and some right. of us call it the stop doing list. Uh, you know, how do you get to that? And and do you have um, people that resist that? Yeah. How do you coach that? Well, it's really interesting. I had a, a issue that I was working here on the campus, and I was I was not the sort of responsible party here, but I had identified a need, and so I called about four people together into a meeting, and the next thing I knew. They had all forwarded the meeting invite to other people, and I had to get a bigger room. Oh, my. Because suddenly there were 15 <laughs> people coming to this meeting. And like I said, I, I had just sort of identified this issue, but I wasn't really the responsible party here. But, you know, being a good youper, you see a problem, you got to fix the problem. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Even if it's with a and, hammer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so these 15 people show up, and I couldn't figure out. I, I hadn't met a number of them. I, and so... We went around the room and I said, I, I want to know 
who you are, what your role is in this, and why you feel you need to be here today. Oh. And on a couple of cases, I I said, so what what contribution are you making? What value are you adding? And you know, I sort of get this blank stare, and I said, if you're not adding value, you don't need to be here. Mm, wow. <laughs> and a lot of people afterwards said to me, I. I've never seen anybody actually do that where they're just someone's in the room because it's an appearance thing as yes. opposed to a value thing. And they said, that was amazing. Well, I'm going to do that. And, and you made it safe for them to, to check out, right? I mean, isn't that true? Because right. No judgment made. I want you to go do productive nope. things. You just don't exactly. need to be here for this meeting, right? And so I think right. some people think that's job security to show up to every meeting and, and pretend like I, you know every meeting is indispensable without their input, even though it's right. not really valid. So how many times have we watched people set in meetings um, not take a single note, not make a single contribution, and, and they just sat there? So, wow! Right. I, I well, think I love the fact that you're yeah. challenging you're challenging us to think it through and to th- make some better decisions along the way. And and we're so glad you joined us today here on the Leadership Lowdown. This is the Michigan Business Network. We're going to go pay some bills and be right back. Sonair has been advancing communities and providing opportunities for people in Michigan for more than 25 years. Through lending, investments, and the creation of homes and jobs, Sonair has made a combined $7 billion impact on the communities they serve. Learn more at www.sonair.com. You've tuned in to Leadership Lowdown. This is the Michigan Business Network, and I'm Vic Vershero. Today's guest is Ann Sherman, Vice President of Business and Finance, California State University at Chico, and she is just filling our bucket with all kinds of really good stuff. And so um, one of the things that we did in our last segment was you talk about how to empty your bucket of worthless, uh, non-important things uh, out of your world so that you can be more productive and really meet and succeed in your success. And these are kind of some things that are, are – um, I guess core values, if you will, or models that you're living by. So, um, are, are there some others that you uh, that you care to share with us today, Ann? When I, when I was in um, the time period, uh, like the end of undergraduate, and as I started into graduate school, I worked with a really great guy at a boutique consulting firm named Doug Young. He mm. had been a, a long term employee at Ford Motor Company, and then he joined this firm. And uh, he was an I.O. psychologist. I just loved that guy and really looked up to him as one of my, you know, entering role models. And uh, I'd bring him my work and like a little puppy, you know, I'd be (laughs) sort of waiting for the pat on the head. Yeah. And uh, and Doug would always find something wrong with whatever (sighs) it was that I had done. And I'd just be crushed. But uh, he, you know, he was just the greatest mentor. And he'd say, Ann, there is always room for improvement. (laughs) <laughs> and that has been a recurring theme throughout my life, yeah. um, in large part as I, you know, I've done a lot of work in quality programs and, uh, you know, worldwide sort of global leadership and quality kinds of initiatives. And uh, I just have that always running through my head. There's always room for improvement. And uh, I really appreciate Doug for sort of setting me down that path of not thinking that, hey, my first product is my greatest product. And Maybe even my last product isn't my greatest product, but you know what can you always be thinking about to make it better and to do it faster? And 
more efficiently and, you know, to make the customer happier. That has been such grounding kind of um, mm. learning for me at a very uh, sort of um, time of my life where, where it was, it was uh, instrumental, really, in setting the groundwork for my professional life. Well, what I love, Ann, is that there's, it feels like clarity. I mean, when you say something something like the last couple of uh, suggestions you've given us, it just is like it feels like a light bulb clicks on. And so, I, uh, going back to our friend Joe Blanchard, you know, um, Joe, uh, when he arrived at in um, in our rural uh, community um, out in the Thumb, uh, there were some people that said, "Joe, you're just a perfectionist." And, um, and, and, and Joe, Joe, uh, if you know him, he doesn't, he, he is a bit of a perfectionist, but what, what he taught me was that, look, we aim for perfection and we accept excellence. And I thought, yeah. oh yeah, that's it. Cause there's nothing perfect and it won't be there. But if we, if we aim for okay, then good enough never is. And that's the kind of thing that I just love. Uh, the pearls that come out of some of the simplistic, it must be up upper peninsula, youper training that gives you that kind of clarity. It's just gotta be, there's no, no doubt in my mind. Well, what other goodies you got in that, in that model list? Well, that reminds me of something that uh, I actually won a quality award for. It was a little essay I, of something I had hanging on my wall in my office, and it said, if I perform at a level of excellence and no one notices, why should I repeat it tomorrow? Oh, and wow. the it was fascinating to see the reaction of people that came in and noticed that, because some of them were like, yeah, why should you do that tomorrow? And I said, because it's the right thing to do. You're, you should be striving for excellence. But some people would say, well, maybe you're not performing at a level of excellence and you just think you are. Oh. And I thought, ooh, wow. that's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, you know, boy, they're, they're, man, isn't that just incredible? And we may have to do this in three or four segments as far as uh, future shows because you've got a lot to offer. And what you just, what you just shared with me is I'm a big believer that, that you've got to reinforce good behavior. So what that sign yeah. was teaching me is that, is that I want to, I want to try to catch people doing something right and reaffirm that, that their effort was important to me as a, as an organizational leader. But I think it's Absolutely. interesting for you to have, for you to have somebody else to unpack that go, well, maybe it's not as good as you think. <laughs> That was like, I was writing down notes here on my pen. The second you said that, I dropped my pen. I'm like, ah! <laughs> what if that's true? Yeah, yeah my exactly. current My current leader, our, our president here at Chico State, uh, Gail Hutchinson, is just an amazing role model for affirmation and reinforcement and, uh, you know, giving people recognition and appreciation. And I really learned from her, uh, you know, that, that just always ending that meeting was saying, you know, thanks for your hard work and thanks for doing a great job and things that I might have said, well, of course people would know that, but I, I feel myself just blossoming under that. Thank you. And it's been such a reminder for me to do the same for my own team and to just give that appreciation that doesn't cost us anything, oh, but sure does make a big difference. Yeah, you know, I, I, it's um, it, we used to. I used to give out what's called "at a boy" or "at a girl" awards, you know, mm. and print up a little certificate, and and it, it had some jargon on it, like uh, like this "at a at a boy" is not worth anything anywhere outside of this uh, printed paper, <laughs> you know, and blah blah blah. But I want you to know that on the bottom of my heart, I appreciate what you did, and you know, um, that's the thing I think that that is so important. And you've probably seen this too. When we talk about uh, employee satisfaction, it's not 
not always dollars and benefits and things like that. It's somebody that no. gives a darn it, about the work that's being done and, and helps people find purpose in their role. Right. Well, high-performing employees want three things. They want challenging work. They want an opportunity for additional growth. And they want supportive leadership. Yeah. And so if you're able to offer those three things, you're going to have really dynamic people and always have an opportunity to top grade your talent. And you'll keep most of them. Great point, Ann. So glad that you're uh, helping us out uh, today and unpacking this great stuff. I am just uh, drinking in volumes here as far as information <laughs> you're sharing. Thanks for joining us today, Ann. And thanks for joining us here on the Leadership Lowdown here on the Michigan Business Network. This is Vic Bergeron. We'll be right back. Has your workplace stopped working? DBI provides furniture solutions and workplace essentials that make business work better. From toner and paper to space planning and movable walls, DBI creates workspaces that really work. DBI, we do office. Everything for the office. One call, one source, one solution. Visit DBI online at dbis.com to learn more. Welcome back to Leadership Lowdown. This is the Michigan Business Network, and I'm Vic Verschereau. We're so glad to have us and honored, frankly, to have Ann Sherman. She's from Engadine, Michigan, and we're so glad that Engadine sent their finest out to the world to save it because she's now out in California <laughs> working in, as Vice President of Business and Finance for California State University at Chico. And Ann, I just really am so having so much fun hearing uh, some of your concepts and ideas. And before I move you into another area that we want to talk about. I wanted to get your uh, your uh, issues in terms of um, somebody like you that's as accomplished as you are and, and some of the people you keep around you. Um, you got to make sure that you don't let um, uh, yourself get burned out or you don't uh, uh, end up with empty tanks. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, that's been a recurring theme, especially now during this pandemic when people are sort of locked down. And, you know, I had a trip planned to Australia in in June that, uh, you know, got canceled. And uh, I've been really pushing my team to find ways. One of the things that I tell them is you can't be so busy driving that you forget to stop and fill up your tank. Mm. And that applies both to vacation and, and sort of time away from work as well as training opportunities. You know, people say, oh, I'm too busy to go to training or I'm, I'm too busy to take a vacation. But at some point, you're going to be stopped along the side of the road, <laughs> sort of wondering where the next <laughs> fuel is coming. Yeah, and, with four um, flats, right? So when yeah, so, exactly. So tell me about tell me about recharging the tank. Um, in our our prep for this, we talked a little bit about vacation. I think most people genuinely can say, yeah, I get the idea of of taking a vacation and enjoying that. But tell me about training. Um, um, does that have a way to refill the tank? What are your thoughts on that? Well, especially for leaders, you know, as you get higher and higher in the leadership hierarchy, um, leaders tend to think they know it all. Yeah. And uh, one of my other things I, I usually tell during training for leadership programs is every act of conscious learning is a blow to the self-esteem. Mm. And I think it's really important for all of us as leaders to stay humble and to realize you don't know everything. 
And it's not only uh, important for us as leaders to go learn and to stay current in what we're knowing and doing, but also to role model that for the people that are looking to us for, you know, what what does leadership look like? And if we're not constantly learning and staying in that continuous improvement mode for ourselves and for the way that we work, then in the long run, we're doing everyone a disservice. Yeah, well, and that's that's excellent, excellent information in t- in terms of uh, connecting the dots. Because I think uh, we have an old saying: you can tell most of my sayings are more, much more simplistic than yours. But mine, mine is: <laughs> when you're green, you're growing; when you're ripe, you're rotten. And so <laughs> there you have it. If if you if you're not growing, uh, then you're not really um, getting too far down the road. Well, some of the things, and and we're just getting crushed on time here because it's flying by for me on this uh, interview. But um, one of the things that I think we talk talked about is the whole notion of um, a leadership model and trying to figure out uh, some of the key elements. And, and when you think about what is it that leaders need to be able to do to carry out um, or ultimately influence the outcome of their scope of responsibility, I, I think that that word influence is interesting, but um, some of the things that, that, that would come to mind for you, where, where do you go with that kind of thought? Yeah, I've been doing leadership development now for many years. I almost said decades, uh-huh. but <laughs> we don't want to go there. <laughs> uh, exactly. Uh, back to that thing. Uh, and uh, one of the things I see a lot in organizations is that a uh, de- job description for a leader doesn't actually say what the leader is supposed to do. It'll often describe uh, this litany of, of tasks that uh, the group might have to do that they're responsible for, or what is the outcome of the group or Um, You know, if customer service is a big part of that, then it'll talk about customer service kinds of things. But when I really looked at leadership uh, from a a research standpoint, from from good literature that says, here's what effective leaders are ending up doing, rather than having a competency list of, you know, 86 competencies, it really boiled down to six job duties. So I talk about it as the roles of a leader. What is it that leaders have to do. And I have found this to be applicable across every industry and every level of leadership. And those six things boil down to structuring the work for efficiency and effectiveness. That is basically what is the mission and purpose of that unit's existence and how do you carry it out, uh, again, efficiently and effectively. Um, How do you manage the talent that you've got available? And that looks at things like hiring and employee development or training like we were just talking about as well as making sure that you're inclusive and that every person feels like they can bring their full selves to work and make that total contribution. Third thing, it looks at inspiring performance, which deals with uh, goal setting, um, performance monitoring, making sure that you're being a really good role model, particularly with regard to integrity, and then dealing with the consequences, which may be you know, good and they might be bad and they might be ugly. Uh, but as a leader, you've got to really inspire performance such that people see that great performance get recognized and not good performance is not. The second half of that looks at um, building a team, that is building good relationships, not only with the people that you're responsible for, but also your peers and having a great relationship with your boss or bosses. Because if you can't get resources, time and attention, you're not actually doing a service for the team that you're responsible for. The fifth thing is probably the biggest and broadest because it deals with using and sharing information. And as we all know, one of the key things for leaders is just dealing with the sort of 
mountain or uh, volume of information streaming toward us, dealing with policies and procedures, with budgets, with financial information. Nowadays, technology is just huge. Can you talk with someone in small groups? Can you talk in a big group? Uh, you know, are you projecting that aura of confidence and poise and gravitas that says people are going to take you seriously and listen to what you're saying? And then lastly, a leader really has to facilitate change mm. by ensuring that people are staying focused on what's happening today, but also preparing for tomorrow and being aware of what's coming from a competitive threat or some kind of discrete change in your industry, something that's going to really tip things upside down. How do you position yourself in order to be successful for the long run? That's going to be some really good stuff for us to talk about in our next segment. Um, you've got uh, six wonderful uh, elements here. We're going to unpack those in the next segment. Thanks so much, Ann, for joining us. Thanks for tuning in to the Michigan Business Network here on the Leadership Lowdown. We'll be right back. You can listen to the Michigan Business Network on SoundCloud, iTunes, on the smartphone app, and on its website at www.michiganbusinessnetwork.com. You've tuned in to the Leadership Lowdown. This is Vic Versero here on the Michigan Business Network with Ann Sherman, the Vice President of Business and Finance at California State University at Chico. And we're so glad to have her sharing some really amazing, noteworthy information with us. And one of the things she did in the last segment was talk about some leadership models. And there were six uh, different areas, structure of work, um, structure of the work of the unit for effectiveness, managing talent, um, inspire performance, build a team, use and share information and policies and practices and procedures, and of course facilitate change. So um, uh, those that's just some powerful stuff there. Um, tell us an overview of what your thoughts are as you, as you try to deploy and, and perfect these kind of ta- uh, models. So in the model itself, uh, we think about uh, both management and leadership. So I have this great phrase that I use that says, management without leadership is stagnation, Mm. but leadership without management is chaos. Uh And so for strong leaders, you've got to be sort of that combination of both. In in the model itself, managing talent, inspiring performance, and using and sharing information are the management side of things. They're sort of the block and tackle of just getting the basics done, Mm. and it's in the, you know, sort of daily work of the unit. When we think about building a team, structuring the work, and facilitating change, those are future-focused, broader kinds of issues that are your true leadership elements. And again, in this leadership model, you've got to have that balance, both management and leadership, that creates for an effective leader in the position. Right, right. Well, and when I when I looked at, at, um, at some of the notes here, one of the things I thought was most interesting was in the area of managing talent. We want to be in a position where we don't waste talent. And I thought that was powerful because 
you yeah. know, looking at somebody, they can get pigeonholed into um, a certain role or task with an organization. And before you know it, it's kind of like typecasting in Hollywood where, you know, that's they, they, they're the same old actor doing the same thing and they can't really explore new things. And the ones that are truly A-type actors, they, they have a lot of different uh, things they incorporate in terms of their experiences and where they go. So how to, that's a little bit of being aware of the people around you, right? Very much so. And really, really being mindful about what talent they have to offer and are they feeling like they're able to bring that whole thing to work. Um, you know, a lot of times I see people who are, are sort of, like you said, pigeonholed in a way, and they might be great at what it is that they're doing, but there's some limiting factor. And my question always is, how do we exploit the talent amongst us mm. and try to diminish that that one thing that might be holding them back or or holding them, is there a way to get that one piece done by another route? And so isn't it an example wonderful? That I had, oh, yeah, go ahead. Well, one example I had here in San Francisco, I had a fantastic um, person in her role, but she was held back by not being able to be a good business writer. Hmm. And I just found someone else to write her memos for her, and it just let her blossom and, and just... She was so spectacular at her job, other than that one little thing that was holding her back. And in finding a solution to that one little thing, it just let everything that had been uh, maybe log jammed together, to use a good youper yeah, phrase. Yeah, there you go. Um, yeah. You know, it just it broke the log jam, and and things just flowed so much easier. <laughs> Isn't that something? And 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 what a what a gift. Somebody like you had uh, by giving by by paying attention and giving it to her because because I I've, I've been around good bosses and bad bosses and I and I and I know for a fact that you know um, the great bosses tend to to get all of the talents out of their employees and then some and bad bosses tend to uh, be leering over the top and not really uh, bringing out any of those talents. They, they, they create and seed resentment oftentimes. So um, yeah. what, a, what a beautiful scenario. Well, are any other things in the model that you want us to highlight before we run out of time here? I just think when you're really thinking about building a team to be mindful about all of the relationships that are in your scope or, or sort of span mm. of work. And a lot of times I, I see people kind of stepping over people on their way up and they don't realize that those are going to be the same people they're relying on on their way down perhaps. Mm, yeah. And uh, when we think about building a team, I just really encourage my, my staff and the people that I'm training to think about a team in the broadest concept possible. Right. right. Who are your customers? Who are your stakeholders? You know, how can you include interested other parties? You know, now that I'm in higher ed, I really need to think about who are the the taxpayers and what's the perception of higher ed, what is happening with some of our donors and benefactors and and the government. And, you know, there's just a huge swath of interested stakeholders when it comes to education. And if we can build a bigger tent and invite more people into it, we're all going to be better off. Yeah, boy, and that's kind of, you know, if you want to talk about models to live by, that's kind of the whole issue that would probably help all of us into these in today's times, just talking about building bigger tents so that uh, we don't have to exclude people or pe- keep people on the outside. We can all get inside the tent and try to make the world a little better. Well, exactly. I can tell you, Ian. And uh, have fun while we're doing it. Yeah, that's right. Uh, <laughs> by golly, if you don't know how to have youper fun, you're not doing it right. So, 
<laughs> well, Ann, uh, look, uh, you have a standing invitation. Anytime you get back to Michigan, uh, I've got a cup of coffee for you and would love to have a chance to uh, meet you in person. I can't thank you enough for spending time with us today. You truly uh, are a great asset to California. And by golly, if you want to come back to Michigan, I'll see what we can do about getting the red carpet ready. <laughs> <laughs> well, I really appreciate that, Vic. This has been great fun. Oh, good. Well, you you absolutely uh, bedazzled us today to the Leadership Lowdown. This is Vic Vershero. I look forward to visiting with you next time. <laughs> <laughs>